Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? If you have asked me that question like four days ago, I've been feeling a lot better than I am right now. But, you know, life is what it is. There's a lot of basketball on. We're watching Milwaukee about to get uh, bounced. So, you know. One, two, three, Cancun. (laughs) I mean, you're playing Pat Connaughton, so like, what what did you think would happen? I mean, Giannis is out. Rest of the game, they're down six with nine minutes left in the fourth. Milwaukee has not been a good team in the fourth quarter (laughs) in this series, so um, without their best player, this is going to be interesting, and defensive player of the year, so, you know, anyways, welcome to episode 78, thank you so much for listening, if you haven't gotten the chance yet, make sure you follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at NBACouchGMPod, or on Instagram at CouchGMPodcast, we would greatly appreciate a follow, um, on those platforms you can also find us on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a rating and review there and we would greatly appreciate it uh if you missed episode 70 77 excuse me goodness uh we talked about draft lottery order um we discussed round one and uh we also talked about around one predictions which were off in some cases but right in others I think we were pretty good on it. Yeah. That, you know, game amounts. That's, yeah. that's the hard part. I think I had Lakers in five, so I got at least one yeah. thing, right? Yep. Anyways, on to the news. What do we got, Matt? So, um, we got some awards. So, Jaw won Rookie of the Year almost unanimously. Got 99 out of the 100 votes. So, Zion got the other one. Montrez won Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, hold on. Time out. Time out. My boy Dennis Schroeder got robbed of this award. Probably, but it's the Clippers. They always win Sixth Man of the Year. <sighs> Get out of here. Between with that. Jamal, Lou, and Montrez, they always win Sixth Man of the Year. Um, Brandon Ingram won Most Improved. Nick Nurse uh, won Coach of the Year. We had the bubble boycott, um, temporary boycott, um, started by the Milwaukee Bucks and later resolved. Um, we've seen some some cool conversations come out of that um and actions also importantly and the last thing the nets uh decided to bring in steve nash as their let me check my notes their head coach what are we doing here matt (laughs) it's because i mean like nash and kd are buddies so we're like i mean that's that's the whole nets plan right now right it's kevin durant oh who's your who's your best friend Kyrie. all right let's bring him in who who do you want to be the coach buddy steve steve nash all right let's do it I'm worried. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, like, if Steve Nash is the next, like, Steve Kerr, that's great. Like, the Nets are going to be a multiple-time champion. I just don't know. But if he's the next Jason Kidd. <laughs> like, if you're managing all these big personalities, is this going to be the great first job that Steve Nash wants? Yeah. I, Steve Nash has been so reluctant to get into, like, official coaching jobs. Like, he's done, like consulting stuff with the warriors and everything i don't know why he chose this job like this one if i'm the also from the nets though i'm waiting on like Ty Lu. i i don't know why you needed to go ahead and hire a coach yeah were you afraid steve ash like wasn't gonna be there in a month i mean like who unless someone gets like fi- I fired fired and like 
they're like, we have to have Steve Nash. But I don't know what... Who's, who's doing that? Like, is Philly going to go out and get Steve Nash? Probably not. Oh, why would they do that? There's no one that... They need Steve Nash to play point guard. <laughs> like, not be the head coach. Um, <laughs> I mean, was Indiana getting... Was Steve Nash going to Indiana? No. No, he wasn't going to Indiana. Like, come on. Like, I don't... Utah's... I don't think they're canning Quinn Snyder. Probably so, not. I mean, Houston, maybe, if they lose here in the second round pretty quickly. Maybe. Maybe Houston. I could actually see that. The other one would be OKC, because they have all the guards. Well, like, Donovan's contract is up, so he wouldn't necessarily yeah. be getting... Fi- I, you know, I don't think Steve Nash would be, is an Oklahoma City type to, of guy. No. So, I mean, the only positives are, like, you're coaching with Chris Paul. So, like, I don't know. But that's the point of, like, who's getting him? Yeah. Why, why do you feel the need to rush? Like... Um, wow, the Heat just threw a side out of balance lob to Goran Dragic and it worked. So <laughs> that's how the series is going. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's where I'm kind of at with this. Like, cool for Steve Nash. I kind of hope this works. Can Steve Nash teach Kyrie how to play and control? Like, really control a game. That's if that happens, then maybe this is worth it. But that's not a head coaching job to me. I mean, can Steve Nash convince Kyrie and KD not to play in isolation? No. Like, that's the big thing. No. Right? Can so. he, like, implement a system well, that doesn't involve them being ball handle, b- ball handlers for 90% of their offense? No. So, I, t- I think Steve Nash would be a great lead assistant for this team. Mm. The same way, like, Sam Cassell is a wonderful lead assistant for the, um, I think with the Clippers. Yeah. Ty Lue is a really, really good assistant coach. I would have preferred either one of those guys to Steve Nash, because at least they've been on a bench um, as an NBA coach before. Like, they know what they're doing. They're, you know, former players that understand, like, how to win and everything. Like, yeah, they have all the same qualifications, um, aside from the MVPs that Steve Nash has. So, like, I... I'm kind of at a loss with this. I I get the splashy hire. It's a cool headline. That's not what this team needs. I guess that's like the definition of Brooklyn then, right? Yeah. Like as a yeah. city. Like it embodies yeah. the city very well. I, I just don't... See Nash playing like the pickup style basketball and like being the greatest at it. Yeah. Basically in the league for 10 years. I just... I don't know. I, I guess I'm in the same boat as you. I don't... I like Steve Nash. I like him as a player. I don't know if this is a great first gig for him. I I don't I'm not convinced the Nets are gonna work. Like they will work to a certain extent because of their star power. If they think they're winning a championship next year though. If they think they're winning I, the championship based on talent alone, the bubble they should just watch the bubble. And be just watch Miami. Watch Miami, watch Boston, watch Toronto. Yeah. Like those like are you really leaping those three teams? Like you might get close to Toronto or Boston. Maybe it depends on Katie's health, um, a lot with that one more than anything. But I don't know. I'm not banking on Katie coming back 100 percent though. Right, you just can't. Like Achilles injuries take time to come back yeah. from, and he's been gone for now over a year. But it's, I mean, maybe when the NBA restarts, it'll be different, which could be in January, which put him at like a year and a half. Yeah, but even then, it's like he's also a still, skinny seven footer. You still have so. to play those minutes. I don't know. It, it's gonna be a fa- the Nets are a fascinating experiment. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm again yeah. not 100 percent convinced it's gonna work, but I guess we'll have to wait and see yeah. with that. We'll talk a touch more about them here in a minute. So um, we'll go two topics today. 
So we'll talk about all the losers from the bubble um, and lessons learned by these franchises. So, you know, one thing they're they're they take that last ride on Splash Mountain and they go get on the the team plane out of there. So something they could uh, hold their head up high about and something that they've really got to figure out this off season. Um, so we'll start in the east, then we'll go to the west because I'm biased and I start in the east. So, um, and we'll start with this podcast's favorite team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, how's that book coming, by the way? How's that? It's good. It's two chapters in, yeah. and it's very Philadelphia. Um, the what was the title of that book? It was like tanking or tanking like, to the top. Tanking to the top. Yeah. That's right. Um, came out uh, over quarantine about Philly. Really, really good book. Um, the Markel Fultz chapter is just terrific. <laughs> so, um, all right. So Philly. So a positive, I think you something you've learned from this uh, bubble is. That Ben Simmons is is your cornerstone player. Mm. It's not Joel Embiid. Ooh! It's like you you have one cornerstone player. Yeah. And it's Ben, because if Ben's playing four games against Boston, they're not losing four zero. Oh, <laughs> they're not. <dang. laughs> like Ben Simmons is getting them a game because he's like Jason Tatum's not going to score every single time he touches the not ball. Not scoring thirty points. Yeah, a game Kimba's on not scoring. You know, thirty points. Yeah. Like, Ben Simmons is going to do something about it. Joel Embiid gave no cares, no Fs, all week. And they got bounced real fast, faster than any other team, right? Like They even, were the first ones out, yeah. Yeah, like, come on, like, even uh, the Orlando Magic got five games on Milwaukee. Like, come on. So this is kind of where I'm at with them is I'm not saying Ben Simmons is, like, a significantly better player than, like, Joel Embiid right now. But if I'm having to build my franchise for the next five years, and I'm Philly, and I might, I'm needing to hit some restart buttons. I got to keep one. I'm, I'm keeping Ben right now. So that's an interesting point you bring up because if you're theoretically trying to trade one of your superstars, I feel like Ben Simmons would be the one to trade because he would bring more back. But yeah. at the you... same time, Joel Embiid is playing a position that is maybe the most devalued in the entire league at center. Like, no one's playing with back-to-back centers anymore. Just look at the teams left in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. I mean, right, we're going Milwaukee. I mean, Brooke Lopez is kind of a different type of guy, but he's not really a back-to-the-basket player. He's changed his Yeah, he has to work to stay in the league. And then against Miami, I mean, they're playing Kelly Olenek, Bam Adebayo, Neither of those guys are... Non-traditional. Yeah. Um, Boston is just playing a hodgepodge of centers right now. They could care less about their, yeah. whatever they're throwing out at center. And then, honestly, with uh, Toronto, the best center they've had all playoffs is Serge Ibaka, not Marc Gasol. Who's really a power forward. Yeah, and Marc Gasol, honestly, his best assets are his passing. Yep. So, and again, that's none of those players or skill sets are what Joel Embiid does. I, I'm not saying there's commonality here, Ryan, but I, I'm not saying that Joel Embiid is the guy for me. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is we've gone into, what, three or four post-seasons now where we've talked about Joel's out-of-shapeness, out, not being able yeah. to play. Like He can't take over a game. He'll, he will dominate quarter one. Yeah. Right? Oh, I think it was, like, in the games one through three against Boston, like, first half, I'm not even counting game four because he looked totally disinterested in that. He shot, like, 60% from the field in the first half of all those games. Second half, he shot 30%. It's because he stopped 
like you can tell when Joel gets really tired, his shirt becomes untucked, yes. his jersey becomes yeah. untucked, and then he just stops running to the post. Yeah. Like he'll just hang out at the three point line. Yeah. It's like he went from averaging I think it was nine rebounds in the first half and it goes down to like four in the second half in all three of those games. And it's just like dude, you're like seven three and Boston's not playing anyone above like six nine. Like, come on. You you can't tell me you can't switch Kim get Kimba switched on to you and then just go to work, right? Like and Boston will do it too. Yeah, like they'll do it, and then just like kind of hope there's someone in the weak side corner that Jalen's guarding, and Jalen will run over and tag out Kimba. And but still, it's Jalen Brown, six seven two twenty. You're seven two two sixty. Yeah. Plus, yep. like come on, put him in the basket, and Joel doesn't do it. You know he talks he talks like type of game I want my star player to, but he doesn't play it. So that's kind of why I think I'm just kind of out. Yeah, it's it's kind of just been like a make or break season for Joel, and it clearly just has not worked in Philly yet. And maybe that's some coaching, which fine, like you get rid of Brett Brown, but like that was my that was the other positive I almost wrote down was <laughs> Brett Brown's not flying back to Philly with you. Um, but like still, like what's your plan? Like who are you bringing in? Who's this like offensive genius who can like reinvent the- having? one shooter on the floor really because <laughs> that's what that's what you're looking at right i'm like who who last coached a good goodish team that had a center like a a big man who really just operated at the basket and could do nothing else he's coaching for the los angeles lakers right now and frank, frank vogel, vogel right? right roy hibbert and al jefferson yeah the only other one that came to mind was dave yeager He's yeah. a free agent right now because um, Sacramento th- decided to pick Luke Walton over him. And <laughs> but, Dave Yeager was part of the uh, grit and grind Grizzlies with Zach um, Randolph and Marc Gasol. And even that. I So basically we're taking out Marc Gasol from this putting in Zach Randolph as the true center and Joel Embiid and making a team around him. I don't know how good that is. I mean, like, what is what, that? if you're getting rid of Brett Brown, don't you want, like, a modern, modern yeah, offense But anyway? you can't have a modern offense with Joel Embiid on your team. That's a good point. So, either you're bringing in a modern coach and Joel Embiid doesn't fit, or you're bringing in a coach to fit Joel Embiid, and that's not modern. Yeah. I mean, you're you're kind of in a predicament here. It's not like the front office has helped any, right? Like, no. that's the contracts given out to some of these players have just been horrendous. That's then. that's the negative, is... So I think we all knew you had two bad contracts coming into this with Tobias. Well, we knew we had one bad contract, massive contract, and Al Horford, because that hasn't worked all year. I think it's been discovered. It's two with Tobias. If it wasn't realized before, it's realized now, and I think it's we're at three with Joel. So the <laughs> hot tank, you're going in on Joel I, and feed right now. Um, I like so, players who win. So, so. The, <laughs> the Tobias thing is really strange to me um they traded for him right at the trade deadline yeah like you went all in and then on tobias harris that was your detroit didn't want orlando didn't want the clippers before they were the clippers didn't want like at what point again do we start realizing patterns here like no no average to mediocre team wants tobias harris that's the thing i don't think he's a bad player it's just He's not worth 150 million. He's right? like a not, he's like a good fourth option on a championship. Like team. he would be, I would be fine paying him like 80 million dollars over four years. Yeah, 
Yeah, I get I get four for four for eighty for Tobias. You could talk. I can talk myself into that and save sixteen million a year to spend <laughs> elsewhere. Like you know who could get you sixteen? You know what could get you sixteen million dollars? I know who you're gonna say, but go ahead. Marcus Smart. Oh, I wasn't gonna say that. I was gonna and say Duncan Robinson. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> I was gonna say you could have kept JJ Redick. Uh, you could have kept JJ Redick, and hey, maybe you don't sign out Al Horford and you keep Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's I, the biggest. That is the biggest mistake in this Philadelphia rebuild, right? Yeah, it's not. It's trading a bunch for Jimmy, and then he it, he says he didn't want to stick around, but they also kind of disrespected him by not giving him the full max offer on the first go round. If he if they gave him that, you know what? He probably says yeah. So here's the deal. You chose Jimmy Butler. You chose Brett Brown over Jimmy Butler. Brett Brown's not there anymore. Brett Brown's not there anymore. So, like, what are we doing? Like, what's the point of all this? It was so short-sighted. Like, and part of me is, it's like how Jimmy Butler, like, is trying to win championships now. So if anything, like, j- anything involving Jimmy Butler is, like, the short-sighted move. But really, it's like, no, Jimmy's still got probably three years left, if you would have counted this year also, as, like, an elite player. And then probably another two years as like a really good player. If you could have somehow negotiated that contract as a descending max deal, then you would have felt fine about it. You would have been been like, yeah, that's cool. But they they just refused to make that work. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know how you offer him same or less money than Tobias Harris. I don't know how you offer Al Horford and what he's 34 yeah. something like that he looks like it's 42 a four for like a hundred it's it, like four for hundred nine yeah like come what on we, what are we doing like how are we like i i don't understand this like new front office like this new front office mentality of like we gotta go all in on this one year and then we're out like we're just out yeah. we're, we're starting from zero and we feel like we have to have these star names. And it's not even really star names. No. Like, I, Tobias Harris and Al Horford are not... They're nice players. They're, fi- they're fine. They're fine. And that's the problem, though, is you're paying them like they're great players. And nice players getting paid like they're great players is the biggest detriment in the league to yep. any team moving forward. And with Al, and I know I've said it before, being a Boston fan, I watched him that last year in Boston. Again, I liked him. He fit what we needed, but... He didn't look like this, you know, fresh, bouncy Al Horford either. At power forward. No, um, especially not at power forward. So it's like, with Philly, one, you were casting him into the wrong spot anyway, and two, it's, you need someone athletic beside Joel Embiid, not someone who also can't move their feet. So that that was a misstep from the beginning. Tobias was a misstep. Jimmy Losing Jimmy was a misstep. And now, I'm not saying Joel has, like, up top five worst contract in the league but i don't think it looks like a positive deal right now either and so therefore you're paying three guys all what 25 plus million a year on what would all be considered bad deals and i don't know how you build a team with that i think you can still get assets for joel Embiid, but you can't get assets for either of those other two guys you're gonna have to attach picks to, to like you're gonna have to convince some team that they want like zaire smith as yeah. like that asset because you don't want to give up all your draft picks moving forward can i just don't think they can do that i don't think elton brand can sell a another team on that right now i don't think anyone respects philly as like a front office either so like they're not gonna give them the benefit of the doubt when they when philly calls them like hey you want tobias 
will attach to this thing. And they're like, no. They're just going to always ask for more right now. Because they yeah. know Philly's in a bad spot. Yeah, I mean, like, especially with maybe the cap jumping down a little bit yeah. this next year, like, you're going to be in the luxury tax for years to come, right? Yeah. Like, and that's not how championship teams win. And is Philly going to want to pay all these guys to not win? No. And they have Ben Simmons, who they're paying, too. Yeah. They like, just resigned to a extension Like a max last deal. Yeah. yeah, so it's like those four guys alone are your entire cap. I'm kind of at the point of, like, they're going to get pennies on the dollar for some of these guys they're trading because teams just know Philly has no leverage. At the end of the day, like, it's not that Philly doesn't have assets or aspirations or anything. They just don't have any leverage in the deal. So that's that's probably the biggest hiccup for Philly moving forward. And we'll, I'm sure we'll do off-season pods and all that with Philly, but um, for right now, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll go back to Brooklyn, who we had started to talk about, because um, they are one of the more interesting teams. Um, we won't spend as much time on them, since we talked about them a little at the top of Steve Nash. Um, but Karis LeVert, you can keep him, or he might be the best realistic trade asset in the NBA. Like, if you don't consider like Joel Embiid like a realistic trade target right now because it's philly and like they're not going to give up on him but of all the guys that are realistic to go get i think karis is like at the top of that list is he going to be like the new bradley beal like that everyone this, wants yeah just like everyone's talking about i i agree i think he's going to be not on brooklyn before this next season stock yeah starts, if right? i had a bet on it i think i agree he's somewhere else because like he really needs he's not an off the ball type of guy and that's what Brooklyn needs in this new offense that I would think Steve Nash is going to be implementing uh, because you have two ball dominant superstars um, and Spencer Dinwiddie like the ball like there's just not enough minutes there for Karras to kind of just isolate and do his thing and that's where he was best at in the bubble Um, I think Joe Harris fits better with Kyrie and KD yeah because he can run off ball shoot super effectively and he'll play defense for you too Yep, Um, and he doesn't have to defend anyone who's really all that great because theoretically like you have Kevin Durant he's supposed to be a really good defender (laughs) also yeah so that's why I'm kind of like you could probably in terms of leverage and situation whereas Philly is really bad Karras and the Nets are in a pretty good spot. So, kick, oh, I'm, I'm going to throw in a question with okay. for you here. Throw you a curveball. Jared Allen, is he on this team with Karis LeVert? Um, if they're trading for a third superstar, then Jared Allen is not going to be on the Nets. But if they'll make Karis turn into two, you know, two or three, two good players and a future draft pick, then Jared Allen will still be on this team. It depends on what they're looking for in a trade with Karras. I don't think Jared Allen's going to be on this team. Because Jared Allen is a legit starting center in the NBA. And for whatever the reason, the Brooklyn Nets refuse to treat him as such. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it's just the most like blatant, disrespectful thing I've seen. And it's just untalked about in, in NBA, with like around NBA discussion. Like the, it's even we've, even we've even accepted like DeAndre Jordan's not a starting center. But, like, we have not collectively accepted that Jared Allen, therefore, is the starting center for this team. He's, like, an elite and like rim protector. a good pro- one. He's an elite rim protector. I'm notoriously, like, a pro Jared Allen guy. I picked him yeah. to be MIP, yeah. like, two years ago. And he wasn't. But he's an elite rim protector who can actually play defense and re- rebound the ball super effectively. He's like what Clint Capella was at his peak in Houston. 
Yeah, and it, that's a that's a nice player. It's not the great center, but it's a really nice center. It's a really useful you. useful center in this NBA, right? Yeah. Um, and I just don't think DeAndre Jordan can be that or should no. be that for this team. And I, 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 if I were the Brooklyn front office, I would be kind of packaging those guys together to see it as much as I could get, or at least maybe shopping them separately. If you could really sell them to another team, then I think the problem with Jared Allen is he's on his rookie contract still. Yeah. So like money for like just straight up, you can't really make that work unless he's attached. But to someone like Harris who already has signed an extension off the rookie deal, then that can really work. That's why you see those guys often packaged together in like mock trades. And it makes sense. Um, I would like to see him keep Allen, but you're right. The franchise doesn't seem to value him as much. Um, so the negative for them, and coming out of the bubble, they did play really hard, like for Jock Vaughn and all. And they were that scrappy team. They found like a bunch of guys, um, G League guys, international guys, and they played hard. TLC. Yeah. Um, is So Kyrie and KD are going to be joining this team, though. Like they're coming, coming back. And... Some of the negative is you've kind of built this team over the last couple of years, and your identity is about to get flipped on its head. It's similar to with the Clippers, right? They brought in Kawhi and PG, and it's like this is no longer the scrappy Clippers. This is like a championship team. This is yeah. The yeah. difference is those guys still kind of fit in with the mantra that the Clippers had before, but Kyrie and KD don't. So. There, there's going to be a lot of guys who stay on this roster that are going to figure out a new role. Yeah. Like Dinwiddie, if yep. Levert stays, if Allen stays, like they're just their roles are going to get shifted, and we they're already a good team, and there's just they didn't have guys to bring in that made them go from good to great naturally, and that's just I don't know how the transition's going to go. Part of me is like it's Kyrie and Kevin Durant, so who cares? But I. They're sending out guys knowing their job, knowing like this is what I got to do for us to win. Like you see it when Miami plays, like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jake Crowder. They know what to do out there, and they just do it really well. Nothing's changed besides you brought in Jimmy Butler, so you look a whole lot better. And I know like Harold's draft pick and Crowder was traded, but like you get the point of you know what your job is. You do it. You play around the star. Star fits with everything else you're doing. Those other guys, it's just it's gonna be a big change, and maybe it works. I'm. I, I don't know, as of right now, if I see them more than, like, a four seed, though, moving forward. I, I think the first ten games are going to be telling for next season for Brooklyn. And if they go, like, eight and two, like, this team's a ch- legit. Yeah, I got crap. <laughs> yeah. This te- team's, like, a championship contender. If they go, like, five and five or even six and four, like, that's... Not- I would be very much paying attention to the body language at that point, then. Yeah. Is, is Kyrie and Katie, What is like- Kyrie saying post-game? Is he saying, oh, we need to find guys who are going to be on this team yeah. it's like what like i guess that's the thing is are they gonna go try and make the jimmy butler type trade where like you go get a guy 12 games into the year yeah. like we thought we can make this work but we're going in a different direction now and for that team honestly i, I don't even know if that'd be a bad thing because that team's all over the place so let's just add to it as long as you're getting good players um that's just the thing it's there's no clear path for like what they should do moving forward and that's hard because that's when teams mess up a lot (laughs) they don't know what they're doing so they just make moves um so a couple ones we'll go a little faster on now because they're not quite as interesting are indiana and orlando let's start with indy though because they're better um not having sabonis hurt in the bubble Mm -hmm. i think more than anything 
and I know Miami is obviously looking good in the um, second round against Milwaukee, but I don't know. It's kind of to the point of like, I'm building around Sabonis the same way Denver built around Jokic. Yeah. That's how I'm approaching building this team. You have, you're going to have a new head coach, new systems. They're probably going to be a more active team just because they're changing things up. That's, I think, a positive you learned is, like, Sabonis is an all-star. He's a guy. He's a dude. You, you don't get swept with Sabonis in there. Um, I don't know if you make it out of the first round, but you don't get swept with him in there. So if you're having to build a team, maybe having to trade some guys like Miles Turner, you you know who, who's got to go right now. You know who you want to stay, and you know who's got to go. And for Indiana, I think that's positive. Maybe you don't like the idea of having to trade him because you've been good, but if you were happy with just being good, you wouldn't have fired Nate McMillan. So right. that's kind of where I'm at with Indiana at this point. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure out what you're doing as Indiana. Like, did what's your of, identity? Yeah, you kind of got to figure out is was Nate McMillan this lid to this team, or was he helping this team to reach its max? Yeah. Which was he the floor? Or was he the ceiling? Yeah, and I I have a feeling I know the answer to that question, but Indiana front office doesn't. Um, so. <gasps> what is just happening sorry we're watching this milwaukee miami game unfold was that a charge i think they called a block okay so for context who's not seeing (laughs) who doesn't know what's going on milwaukee 106 miami 107 right now divincenzo is going to the line yeah they called it a block i i don't know that that's a block 1.7 seconds left they called a block on goran dragic i mean goran was clearly out of the (gasps) <gasps> um, out of the restricted area, but DiVincenzo just missed his first free throw. Is the young buck going to choke? Oh, gosh. One of two. Eight of uh, 14, 14 from playoffs yes. from free throw line? Yikes. That's, an, that's not Dante's Derek, thing. Derek Jones Jr. is looking stoked back there. Made right, second. Tie, tie game. Miami, call your timeout. Yeah, they have two left. Now down to one. Hey, don't run the play Billy Donovan ran um, in Game 7. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Anyways, back to Indiana. I guess that's a very Indiana thing is to get ignored for Miami yeah, I know. and Milwaukee, <laughs> right? Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, you gotta just got to figure out like who is really good on this team. Like, Are, are you keeping Oladipo? Do you like kind of not want to keep him at I'm this kinda, point? I'm to the point of like, eh. You know, like... I know he's coming off the injury, but I'm to the point of, like, I bet I feel more inclined to trade him if I'm Indiana. Could you, could you trade him to Brooklyn for... Karras and stuff. And stuff. You couldn't get Jared Allen because you already have two centers. Okay, can, can we try and dump Miles Turner? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> not, Miles maybe not Turner on... get as much... Res- would he get disrespected in Brooklyn like he... Yeah, he would. <laughs> um, you could send Miles Turner somewhere else, but... I really think Indiana could have that level of shakeup um, in terms of their team this year. And I wouldn't be shocked by it. Now, it's Indiana, though, so they'll probably be like, they're going to play it safe. But you don't play it safe if you fire Nate McMillan. And so that's kind of the negative is, like, they've got to decide what their, like, basketball style is now. Are they... Because they're, they're clearly choosing not to be, a, like, that pounded-out team. Otherwise, you would have kept Nate. Um... If you and if you really embrace Sabonis, who was your All Star this year, he's kind of that spacey playmaker, big man. Like, you got some just get yeah, just get some shooting around him. Brogdon, um, I think you'll keep him. But other than that, you know, go get some guys. 
Are you keeping TJ Warren? Like, what? It, what is this team like? Yeah, you maybe keep TJ Warren at this point. Again, modern offense, NBA offense. Like, that's what you like. You need shooters, right? So, yeah. like, I, that's why. Like, are they? I know they lost um, uh, one Bogdanovich, but do you go try and get the other Bogdanovich? <laughs> you know, maybe. Um, uh oh, Dragic for the win. Oh, oh, got stuck on the rim. Um. I, I don't want to know why you don't call your other timeout and try something, something else. else. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I'm kind of at with Indiana is like they've got to make some real decisions on how they want to play basketball. Yeah. And I don't know if they know right now, but they know they need to change. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just a weird team. Like it's I don't. Weird. I feel like they have overachieved every year, getting like the four five. But then they like underachieve by winning only maybe a game. Yeah, and then they get bounced in the first round. Yeah. But, like, the other teams are way more talented yeah, that's than just you. That's so, like, like, You're it, kind of just stuck in the middle of the NBA. Yeah, um, and that's a tough spot to be in. Um, another team stuck in the middle of the NBA is Orlando. So, positive is you know you are at least a competitive team with Jonathan Isaac and company. And you didn't have Jonathan Isaac for the playoffs because he again tore his um, ACL. So... There's negative in knowing he, your best player is always hurt. Um, but also, I put in there with their negative is they're kind of not falling, you started to say, into NBA purgatory. They're not, like, bad anymore, but they're not good either. So, like, what are we doing? <laughs> are we cool making the eight seed every year? I mean, the ownership is going to say yes to that because they want their two home playoff games before they get swept by a top Milwaukee, seed. Boston, yeah, Toronto, whoever. whoever it is that year. Um, but I think they like to add to the positive. Like you have Markel Fultz. Like I think you can. There's potential there. There's hope, right? Yeah. Like it's not just so like desperate and irrational yeah. to think yeah. he can't be a competent NBA. player He was better this year. I mean, he played. That was yeah. that was the first step. No one talked about that. The <laughs> he guy played, was like, playing 50 games. He, the guy was playing actual NBA basketball. You're right, that is important. He took shots. Even if it didn't look good, he took the shots. That's the thing. It's going to get better. It's like you just kind of hope that like your market of Orlando is chill enough for this guy to make maybe yeah. a star. Like, maybe make one all-star. Yeah. Like, I, that's kind of your hope for this. Just one all-star game. At the peak of his career. Yeah. And you can probably get him on a reasonable second contract and hope that's when he kind of takes off um, as a player. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. So with Orlando, I mean Vucevic is nice. I don't if you're willing to like maybe go down for a year or two while you let Markel develop, then maybe you trade Vucevic. Um, maybe trade Aaron Gordon. But if not, like again, it's all nice pieces. And if you're happy being that eight seven eight in the East, then you're cool. But uh, there's something about being stuck there for a while that doesn't feel right. And you also kind of know like there are teams that are gonna start getting you like. For example, Atlanta was a really trendy pick um, this year. Didn't work out, but there'll be another trendy pick again for the next year or two. They're going to catch you at some point. Like, Trey Young's the best player in between yeah. those two teams, right? Yeah. So, at, at worst, Atlanta, maybe um, another team kind of pops up um, that we didn't see coming. I mean, the Washington Wizards. Washington just needs, if they could get both guys get, healthy. Yeah, theoretically could catch you next year. So, that's where I'm kind of, like, the Hornets might just become you. So, yeah, 
you know that's that's kind of where it's as you're gonna get probably bumped out of that spot eventually so let's either try and get significantly better on our own or i don't i think you have the pieces to trade out of purgatory you do last thing if your gm and ownership have a vision for it but i don't trust orlando no with that either so anyways let's move on to the west um well again they're all fun in the west the four teams that got balanced um but we'll start with dallas because they have the best player out of all of them and luka Doncic. Mm. the positive being it is if it wasn't for some reason clear before if you had any doubts about luka Doncic, um you you don't anymore he is the league's next superstar like he they're the team that's going to take the leap next year right like the go from like bottom of the west to like they're at least i think they're at least a five yeah like, is Denver worried about getting caught by Dallas if yes. they make a smart move? Yes. Um, that's how this team kind of feels. And, like, Luca, I mean, we've been saying it for two years now. This kid's amazing. Like, like, if only if only someone else could have figured that out. <laughs> if only Phoenix four other teams could have figured that out before Luka. Dallas. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the where dallas is like we'll just you can build however you want around him um if you want to keep chris Tops moving forward cool if you don't want to re-sign um some of these guys who are going to be coming up in free agency because they don't you don't think they're the best fit that's fine like roster turnover is not going to be a big deal for this team because you have the best player like of anyone who could bring in so uh that's the most obvious positive for them probably the most obvious negative though is chris Tops's health yeah, just like how you manage that, right? Because yeah. like, as if you know he can play, so it's literally just managing. Can we play him thirty minutes a game and like hard cap it yeah. at thirty minutes a game? That's why, like, I'm I'm a little worried that if he's your second best player for the next couple of years, you're kind of capped at like the best you'll finish as the three seed, mm-hmm. just because you he's not going to be able to play all the games. Um, you're going to lose some you shouldn't lose just because he's out. Uh, and th- if just resting him anyway, you don't play him full game amounts. So that's kind of where I'm at. It, but are you trying to win a championship the next two years anyway? Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're trying to be like highly competitive. Like if you make it to the Western Conference Finals a time or two, like that'd be really cool. But maybe you're not trying to win a championship right now. If you think Luca's staying long term, then that's okay. Probably like you don't give up on Kristaps yet, but he's only got like a year or two left to prove like he can stay on the court. Yeah, I mean like I think managing his health, like you know he can play now. He played pretty much all season. Yeah. Um, just some knee knee soreness stuff kept him out of the. That stuff bit. doesn't get better. Yeah. And with age. But yeah, I mean, it didn't help that he started his career with maybe the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the like franchise in the league. Um. I, I think, swear I think it's manageable. You just gotta can't push him, right? You yeah. can't play him like when you need him like for forty minutes game, you're probably playing him thirty two. You need to act like he's on the Bucks and <laughs> only play him twenty. Think of four what minutes. Mike <laughs> Holzer will do and then do that with Kristaps. <laughs> but just Kristaps please. And then um, just say he plays so hard that you have to take whatever you have we're, to rest him some we're not talking about the bucks right now because they're about to be in this category of getting balanced home so anyways so with dallas yeah it's like they just need to keep filling out the team 
and uh, yeah. you'll be fine. Um, give it a couple. Don't years. make dumb decisions. Yeah, just, just keep making. Yeah, don't bring in like don't go trade for like Tobias Harris or something, right? Like that's that's the thing that would like hold the team back. <laughs> Is Boban like trying to push for Toby to and Toby back? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I wouldn't be totally shocked, but Boban's. I don't know. You got a new best friend, dude. It's the Luka Doncic. Um, so Utah. Utah had, again, one of the most fun first-round series with Denver. Um, Donovan Mitchell, he looked like he took that step. Yeah. He's like that category. Like, his playmaking and shot creation off the dribble, like, took a step. Like, yeah. it was efficient. It was explosive. Like, he was able to get to the rim at will. Some of that was Denver's defense. Yeah, well. <laughs> But at the same time, like, he was coming up and dr- hitting off the dribble threes. Like, that wasn't a big part of his game before, and yeah. he was really inefficient at it. But in that series, he was... I mean, he, he hit two 50-point games. He yeah. had two 50-point games. So, and and they lost one of them. Um, that's... And they were all 3-1 also. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, great. Th- well, that's the thing. If they don't blow the first one, Donovan's 57-point game, they would sweep. Yeah, they went 4-0. So, that's tough. Um, I was kind of with Mitchell, and it wasn't his fault they lost name of the next three either. Um, is If the shooting continues in the next year, then he's if he's not a definitive top 20 player now, he will be then. Um, right now, he's probably in that 20 to 30, 35 range. Um, pretty, I'd say pretty safely. But if if he's a top 20 guy then like utah has got to start making some real moves because donovan mitchell he came in a touch holder um as a rookie the way he plays concerns me because it's that russell westbrook aggressiveness of like i'm trying to dunk on everybody and like i don't care about my knees and that that just always worries me but at the same time if the shooting is real, that takes away that pressure to always having to get to the basket, which he's good at. He's That's the best part of his game. But if you can just make the defense respect you out there, the drives become easier. Getting into the lane becomes easier. The back cuts are there more. Um, and that's his next step. But the fact that we just saw it for pretty consistently a month, it, it gives me hope um, for them moving forward. The negative being... And again, similar to some of those other teams we've talked about, is they're kind of caught in between just running the roster back as is or making, like, significant adjustments. I mean, that's the thing. is like the temptation's there, right? Because, like, Mike Conley was playing better. You were down a player, like a yeah. starter, like and one Bogdanovich, of your best, yeah. best starters. Like, Rudy Gobert played really well. Like, there's there were so many positives to take away from that bubble um, performance. That I don't, I don't know. I, as a GM, I would tend to give it half a season at the trade deadline. Let's if, reevaluate. Yeah, let's let's look at it. But I don't know. Conley, in theory, like I, he was what they wanted. Like another, in the bubble. yeah, another ball handler who could take the pressure off of. Donovan of Mitchell. Mitchell, yeah, and again, there are games where he was really, really good, and then some games where it's like, ah, he was Mike Conley again, um, like bad Mike Conley, yeah, like um, early season, and then Bogdanovich again. We didn't get to see him at the end. Rudy, Rudy was a lot better than I thought he would be, to be honest. Um, he was ever he was really good defensively. Yeah, he was offensively not a liability. Like he could 
role fairly well and it worked with donovan mitchell's like playmaking yeah like, he was seeing him he was hitting him in stride and um rudy like he he didn't just have to dunk the ball to be to finish like he yeah. he kind of did like some nice little like scoop layup sometimes yeah it was like the ability to finish in different ways was something i i really didn't see for rudy gobert mm. and he's doing it again it's not like eight foot jump shots you know or short roll and then make a decision but just doing enough things around the basket like being able to finish in different ways is a positive for him and maybe it's just do you need all those guys the money you have and not have a bench because right now they have no bench outside of jordan clarkson and jordan clarkson there's a lot of good that comes with him and there's a lot of bad he was the reason one of the reasons they were up 3-1 but then also one of the reasons they lost three straight right yeah like exactly he, he couldn't score like are you keeping royce o'neal around like what are you doing like yeah. is he a legit guy you can keep in your rotation or is and he someone you need to move off of they had no backup depth in the front court either like yeah. they're George Niang, Juwan Morgan, Tony Bradley. George Niang looks so small. Like yeah. he's playing the four for them, and he looks legit like a three. But he looks kind of chubby, also. Yeah. And when he's playing the three, and so it's like, what are you? I, I just don't know. <laughs> um, and so I I think I agree with you. You probably run it back to start the year, but you also have to realize if you run it back, like Dallas is probably Dallas is jumping you. It's gonna catch you for yeah. sure. It's just, do you somehow stay in front of like OKC or can you get in front of Houston? I and I don't think so. Maybe Denver falls a little. It it's tough for Utah. It's tough unless Donovan Mitchell is what we saw out of Donovan Mitchell. Not forty points a game, but like if he takes like an MVP, league. if he's like twenty eight a game, yeah, all year, then that helps Utah substantially in ways that they just can't make up for otherwise. Um, there's nothing else they could do to replace that. So, um, we'll talk about your team next. Let's go. So, they got bounced um, because Russell Westbrook knew your last play of the game. Um, it's game surprising seven. Russell Westbrook retained any information from any of the plays that Billy Donovan <laughs> drew up for him. He, he was like, oh, you, you did know that. Um, so, positive for OKC. I put down, there was real progress by Shea, Lou, Lou Dort, and Darius Baisley. And I I didn't know how they would look in the playoffs. I So, I mean, I have notoriously said multiple times on this podcast, I didn't think Lou Dort would make that big of a difference in the Houston Rockets series. Into Game 7, Lou Dort, who scored 30 points and defended the best offensive player, um, maybe in the league. And, I mean, like, they swapped roles. <laughs> like, Lou they, Dort, like, ate James Harden's soul in Game 7. Like, James Harden, I think, put up, like, 15 in yeah. Game 7, and Lou Dort put up 30. Like, what What was happening? <laughs> like, if you would have told me that, like, the Thunder were, like, obviously just winning that game, right? Yeah. But, like, it didn't, It of course it didn't happen. I, this young core is actually surprisingly good. <laughs> Like, I wasn't expecting this after year one of the rebuilds. This is like a 1-2-3 right here. Yeah, well, Shea, Dort, and Baisley. That's the thing. If Baisley continues, like, shooting, yeah. and, like, he can kind of play make a little bit. I don't I, I don't know what to do with Baisley. I, I don't want to be too hopeful about him. And then you, He needs another year or two to, like, kind of figure out his game. Yeah. But, like, the fact that there's enough there to, like, oh. Not write him off already. Yeah. Is, like, is impressive. So. And I... 
I mean, unfortunately, I don't think this team runs it back like we were talking about with Utah. No. I think they blow it up, but um, it's a nice core. You kind of found out what you have in these yes. guys this year, right? Yeah. And yeah, you're right. That's probably the biggest positive for them to come out of this. And but also, therefore, the negative. Oh, Chris Middleton just hit a big shot to put him up four with six seconds left. Um, is that Chris Paul and Steve Adams? They were not good. Chris Paul was good at times, but when it, when I needed Chris Paul to be the best Chris Paul, he wasn't the best Chris Paul. So I, I totally agree with you, but I think you've convinced another team to go get Chris Paul at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you turned a twenty five thirty win Thunder team into a legit playoff squad. That, like, like forty wins. Yeah, the five seed, like yeah. a legit like team. I think stayed healthy all year. Like that yes. was, I mean, the quarantine, I think, probably helped Help. with that. But you got to think that Chris Paul is not on his way out of Oklahoma no. City officially, right? Like, if... They could run it back with him. They um, could. I, I would actually, like, as a Thunder fan, I would prefer them to keep Chris Paul for the remainder of his contract. I know that sounds insane, but, but like... it's <laughs> a lot of money for Chris Paul. I mean, it's the other things, right? Like, if you, yeah. if you think he can pass his knowledge on to SGA... Dort and Baisley and like kind of lead them to be the next generation of Thunder players like that's worth 40 million dollars it's the idea of like putting winning players around your young guys it's like what Philly didn't do when they were in the process <laughs> it's like they just let Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do whatever they want and lose for years and they just expected them to be good and that just didn't I mean it's kind of worked but not as well as they all thought I, I think I'd be cool with Paul for like one more year I think you could stomach that bill for one more year. I think, yeah, I probably agree. But at the same time... It's a lot of money for a small market. It's a lot of money, but who else are you paying on this team? Like, who's really coming due for a big contract? Like, you're not paying Gallo. Gallo's gone. Um, Tyler Harrow just had another three. Tyler Harrow's... Tyler Harrow's trying to put Milwaukee away all by himself. Yeah, he is. Um, I just, like, I don't know. I just think that... You keep him around and let him write out the rest of his career. Granted, he's probably not going to want to do that. But as a GM, you're not really... Who cares? Who cares? Like, sorry, dude. You're on this team. Like, you you kind of just get what you get with, like, SGA, Dort, and Baisley. Like, if he's coaching up those guys, you kind of hope it pays off in six years in when you run. hopefully yeah. win a championship, right? Yeah. Um, but agreed on the Adams thing. Like, the Adams, Adams is... It's it's part of it's the discussion of your center. We can't be paying a center twenty five million dollars a year. It's and like then, you're paying at Stephen Adams and Anthony Davis the same amount this year. So it's it's just so there's that p- component of it, but also I I really like Stephen Adams. Like I'm not a Thunder fan. I really like Stephen Adams. Like he's like one of those likable guys in the NBA. But I mean he can't be a he probably can't be like a top eight paid center in the league. He's also like. I think he's one of those Thunder guys. Like, just, like, a culture guy, right? Yeah. Like, there's kind of that... There's not really... There's an understanding there that he's probably going to be a Thunder player for his entire career. Yeah. I get. I, I mean, I guess... I agree. I, 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 mean, I agree. I, I don't think he's worth $25 million. What he does, you can find... I don't know. JaVale McGee, $8 million, right? Yeah. You, like, can, you, you can find guys 90% for... 90% of what Steven Adam does for significantly less... But then it's the other things that he does for this Thunder team, I think. Yeah. 
So I think that's maybe it's you run it back for another year, and then you be like, all right, guys, it's time to pass it on to the next generation. And you have these really nice farewell videos and you <laughs> standing know, ovations open notes for the guys. Yeah. Things, so here's the deal. I think that with the market, the positive thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder is that the market's going to be pretty dry for yeah. Danilo Gallinari. That means you're going to probably find yourself in a sign and trade. Yeah. So who can you go get? Like who? Who? Like what team can you package a deal for? Like can you convince Portland they need a stretch four? Like oh, a legit, definitely. like a legit stretch four. Not Carmelo. Um, <laughs> that's like a good basketball player and kind of can defend um, and rebound and do the things you need him to do. Um, I don't know. Like that. That's just a. It's a. It's a thing that Oklahoma City is going to have to figure out. Yeah. I think they're going to be in on talks with trading Chris Paul. I don't know if any team, again, can stomach that bill because of what the cap can do in the next couple years because yeah. of the coronavirus. But hey, someone's going to get bounced out of these playoffs way earlier than they thought they would, and therefore they're going to want a guy. Yep. So, um, Milwaukee just hung on. Um, I'm Chris sure, Middleton probably yeah. just had the game of his career. Yeah, he hit some big time. shots. He hit, I mean, he hit the free throws at the end. Um, yeah, him and Brooke Lopez really saved that team um so that's the thing is you have these big guys on contracts but yeah you're right if you're okay so you do it for another year or two come back then and figure it out give sga dorton basically a little more time to develop before you just gave him the keys so i get it so now you mentioned portland we'll just move on to portland um positive you already know dame and cj are your guys but i think trent and Nurkic also kind of emerge to the point of like mm. unless you're bringing in a superstar like this is your core right here and i don't see portland bringing in a superstar because their cap is already in hell um <laughs> but this is like you fill out around those four that's where i'm at we just mentioned like again no offense mellow but like he's not sticking around long term that's not a long-term piece he's like a nice bench player at this point um who can maybe get hot so you got your four. You got four guys, and you build from here. And I don't. Portland hasn't had that honestly in a while. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Is before you like you had two and a half with Nurkic. Now I think Nurkic took that step, uh, especially coming off the leg injury. I was really worried how he looked. He looked really good, and then Trent stepped up. As long as it's he still hits next year, um, that, that he's a starter. He compliments yeah. them well. Could even be your sixth man, for sure. Yeah, I think that's the core you build around, and it's actually optimistic. We weren't yeah. optimistic about this no. team at all last year around this time. So that's that's the big positive for Portland. And like, even though they went to the Western Conference Finals last year, it was, I'm not going to say it was a fluke, but it, it was odd circumstances, <laughs> right? It was non-traditional and like what had to happen for them to get there. Yeah, like you played a Nuggets team who's not ready no. Maybe still not ready yet for that step. Um, <laughs> uh, we can talk about the Nuggets when when they get bounced, but that I've got I've got give it a week. Got, got <laughs> some hot takes about them, um, and like you played Golden State, who just like mowed you down yeah. in four games. Yeah. And you can make the argument it was competitive. Okay, like they didn't play without they played without Kevin Durant. I got Nate McMillan fired in Indiana, so like <laughs> you know what's it worth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the negative 
And it's still the the big question is this team's still missing a two way forward. Trent's nice, but he's more of like a two three. Yeah. Like more of a guard, but he can play the three. They're still missing a two way forward. And it's not Melo. Even if Melo averaged twenty a game, he he can't play defense. So that's still the ultimate problem with Portland, is they can't play defense. They need someone who can play defense, but not like Al Farouk Amino who doesn't like can't you, hit Canada shots. Should not life. even touch the basketball on offense. Like <laughs> so that's just the ultimate problem with this team. It's still unresolved. It wasn't gonna get resolved over the bubble. Like there was no one who was gonna like emerge on that team um, and be that guy. So it's you go into the offseason knowing it. I don't know if you can do anything about it unless you're trading like CJ. And I don't think Dame will let that happen because that's his boy. But we're gonna have the same conversation in Portland again next year. Could you go get Demar Derozan and put him out of the four? Well, <laughs> now that's I, an idea. You know, I don't know how you get Demar Derozan. You you trade sixteen. They have sixteen and forty six in the draft. Trade sixteen and forty six plus Zach Collins, okay. and. You get in the conversation there. You 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 do you do you get in the conversation. And I think Demar's only at like what twenty five. Yeah, something like that. So I don't know. There's something else that has to happen. But throw in Mario Zona, Zonia, and the Spurs will fall over themselves and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That might act, that might be the closest thing to what uh, like a realistic possibility for them. Like so. you essentially, you're playing him as a point for it. Right? Yeah. And to someone else who can kind of create their own shot to help Dame and CJ, it truly allows Gary Trent to just be a spot-up five. You might have to attach Gary Trent to the deal, but is what it is. Um, you do it, I guess, if you're trying to win a championship now. It's hard. You can talk yourself into it. I don't Portland know. can talk themselves well, into anything. They talk themselves into uh, what's-his-face for Turner, Evan, Evan Turner, Turner, for yeah, like $90 million. The, a, a silent guidance Portland deal, or... Not even the the Demar thing, but is Rodney Hood. So Rodney yeah. Hood's on this team for like yep. six million dollars next year. Yep. And if he comes back healthy and doing what he did before he got hurt, it's super worth it. Um, but if you're at all worried, maybe you just need another guy in a trade. That's your guy. He could he could kind of be that swing piece. Either if he does play for you and plays well, or if you can attach him as like that last salary filler in a trade almost makes you wish you had him for a couple million more because it'd be easier to trade but there that's something that there's something there in portland i just can't figure out what i think it's closer than we think it was a year ago like we we were always told like yeah. this team's gonna be a year away because of nurkic and neither i don't think either one of us bought into that because we didn't think a center would affect winning all that much but nurkic's style nurkic's style does help because yeah. he can pass right yes. like he, he can is score triple doubles ways. out there <laughs> he can pass and he's like extended his game to like shoot occasional three yes um like you feel confident in him shooting the occasional three yeah not like just two, like two oh. shot two attempts a game like that's yeah. all that's all we're asking we're not yeah. asking you to turn into carmel anthony and shoot no. 20 times from behind the arc no we're not and uh, Nurk, like, he looked good doing it. It's just now getting back in shape and, and doing all the things you would do if you had, like, a fall-off season and you weren't coming off of a terribly broken leg. So, um, we'll we'll hit on round two real quick, um, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. So, we got Bucks Heat, which we know the, the Heat, Bucks just at least forced game five. 
Um, which <laughs> gotta gotta change my prediction here. Um, we sent this I, to a, a couple. Wow, um, <laughs> a couple changed. hours ago. So we'll we'll give from what we know as of right now on Sunday at five thirty in the afternoon. Um, what our picks are. So Bucks Heat. I'll still take Heat and five. I'm I'm I had Heat and four. I'm swinging the other way now, Matt. Oh my God. Bucks and seven. Good lord. You're so you're you gotta think Giannis is. I'm playing. thinking Giannis is coming back, and you just gave Chris Middleton a shot back. He's got his confidence. So that's scary. Cause this team, like, if this if this team is legit, like, if Giannis is even like seventy five percent, and Chris Middleton's hitting forty percent of his threes. Like, I still don't know if it's good enough to beat Miami four straight times. Four straight times. You got you basically got to sweep Miami right now. That's how yep. you got to approach this. Is yep. You have to sweep Miami. Man, I don't know. I don't like. I'm gonna I'm gonna just zag here. All right. All right. I'm, all right I'm whatever. Gonna st- I'm gonna, I'm sticking with it. Whatever. Um. All right. Raptic Raptors Celtics. I got. I'll take my my Celtics in seven. I'm. I don't feel great about picking this. Either way, I don't feel great about picking this. I'll go Celtics in seven. I got Raptors in seven. I just yeah. I I don't know. I I like the Celt. I honestly that game seven can go in either way. Yeah, and we talked about it um, before we got started here. Um, so game one was what it was. Boston handled. Game two was the Marcus Smart game, and incredible to watch. Just phenomenal. Um, I could not believe it. Um, game three was the OG shot. Mm-hmm. So as a Boston fan, I'm like, okay, we could be up 3-0 at the end of that game. Part of me is like, we could be down 2-1 because Marcus should not have done that and OG hitting that shot is not terribly surprising considering he's playing like an NBA god right now. Um, and then game four, I mean, Jalen Brown couldn't throw water in the ocean if his feet were wet. <laughs> Like, it it was incredible to watch. Um, so part of me is like, man, Boston really could have just swept them yeah. right now. Yeah. Part of me is like, man, Boston could be down three one. So Boston being two two, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't pick it. I don't want I don't want it that way. But I guess it's a cut your losses type of scenario here. And so I'll take Boston to win two out of the next three. I mean, it's just the basketball gods getting their getting their due back. Like Marcus Smart robbed them. Uh, I. I think the Celtics have the best player in the series in Jason Tatum. I just think that the better team right now is the Raptors. Raptors. I've been on the Raptors since the bubble started. Rightfully so. And I just think that the one of the championship run just helps yeah. this team. Yeah. Well, Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry found their shot the last couple games. Like, Which is not I good. think it was game three. I think they combined going for 50. Yeah. And the other night, I don't remember what Van Fleet finished with, but I know Siakam finished with like 23 and Lowry had like 22. So they've, they've kind of found their shot now. Um, if it sticks, then yeah, Boston should be really worried. If Boston hits two more threes the other night, though, Toronto would be worried. And... I'm, I'm betting on the Celtic shooting more than I'm betting on the Rocket or the Raptors shooting because the Raptors shooting has been abysmal all year in the half court. So I'll just I'll bet on us. I like. I know it's a little bit of a homer thing, but I don't care. Sticking to your guns. Hey, I bailed on the Thunder like yeah. after one game, yeah, and they got to seven. So um, Lakers Rockets. So at the time of this, it's Rockets are up one zero. 
Um, we haven't yep. seen game two yet. Game two is about to happen. So I'll go Rockets in six, just because I don't. I I truly don't know what LA is going to do to defend anybody on this team. So my pick is that if the Rockets win, like if the Rockets want to win the series, they have to do it in five. <sighs> if it goes anything beyond five, it's a wrap. Like the Lakers are winning the series. Like LeBron James is too good. Like he's gonna kick into LeBron James mode and win the series. And James Harden is gonna go back to playing like crap. James Harden. Yeah. James Harden in the playoffs. Um I Play wouldn't be shocked. End. I wouldn't be shocked if you're right. I just I don't know if the Rockets can win four out of five. This is like the I think mo- the Rockets big- can win like two out of three. This is the biggest stylistic difference. Of any series we've seen. Of any potential series we could have seen. Yeah. Like, this is, like, 90s, early 2000s basketball compared to modern-day NBA basketball. Yeah. And, I mean, game one, and there's that little stat of, like, Anthony Davis, when he was the lone big, they were minus minus 12. And then when Anthony Davis was the four next to, like, Dwight or JaVale, they were plus six. So it's like it kind in the lesser amount of minutes it worked putting two bigs out there. Can it work for multiple stretches of time in a game? Can it work for multiple games? So my thing with that is okay. Then James Harden just hunts down Javale McGee every time, every, every, every single time. Like that plus six, I think is deceiving. Yeah, I think it's um, really deceiving because it's just. I'd be curious to see who was on the court during those plus six minutes. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Like, are you playing Markeith Morris and... Yeah. Like, what's what's your other... <laughs> yeah. Who are the Rockets guards out there that let the Lakers score um, during that time? So, I, I, I'm to the point of if AD's, like, playing the four, for example, if he's guarding, like, Covington, and then JaVale or Dwight or Markeith is guarding P.J. Tucker, and the, the Rockets are just going to run pick and, toll, pick and roll with Westbrook and that guy, or Harden and that guy all day long and there's nothing those big men can do about it either and there's no guard who's good enough defensively for la besides avery bradley and avery bradley's not playing to do anything about it yep. so it's just going to be a foul fest like yeah. it's can james harden hit enough threes can russell westbrook not turn the ball over 10 times can, in a game it's just it's boiling got to be a mentality thing yeah. right here for houston of like your guards and i know the entire team's guards but can russ James, I'm going to go ahead and throw Eric Gordon into this category, and I'm going to go and throw like Austin Rivers into this category. Can you just remember that whoever's guarding you, you're better than them, and just take it to them every single time? I think Eric Gordon's going to have like the series of his career, and and because who's guarding? Who, I, okay, so you're putting your best guards on Westbrook and Harden at the same time. That you're leaving then who I, on Eric Gordon? I think. They're like LeBron might have to guard Eric Gordon or Kuzma might have to guard like Eric Gordon, but I don't think either of those guys are gonna be like focused on Eric Gordon and therefore they're gonna get some you know drive and kick kickouts yeah. and they're gonna hit and Eric Gordon's gonna hit some shots. That's what I would be like very worried about if I'm LA is like like LeBron and Kuzma's best defensive positions are kind of as like that off ball like borderline playing like the safety position in the NFL like just kind of being in that rover. Of like, I'm just gonna get in the way of things then, um, and you can't do that against Houston. You can't just like leave your guy to get in the way of whatever's happening in the lane because they're looking to pass for a three. 
So that's where it, I get hung up with LA. Is they built their team in this very weird way. We criticize it in the offseason. And unless LeBron and AD go supernova, which is always a possibility, but I don't know what this team does. And I'm worried that just one of them going supernova at a time isn't even going to be enough. Like, they're going to need both. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be have to be, I think you said it off air, is LeBron's just going to have to be the best player in the world, yeah. essentially. And I think he still has it in him. Does he have it in him for four wins against Houston? And defensively. Like, it's not like yeah. you can just kind of... You might be able to hide LeBron on P.J. Tucker, but is that really your best use of LeBron defensively? But, but then it gets into... So then you're not playing the two bigs. Yeah. Because then Anthony Davis or one of the bigs is having to guard like a guard. Right. And that does that's going to go horribly. So <laughs> It's just not going to work. Yeah. I, these... It's PJ crazy. T- it's crazy. We've talked about it all year. Who's gonna make the Rockets play up? And there's not a single person, single team no. who's done it. Like the, Rockets are forcing the other teams to play to them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, when OKC did it, it kind of worked though. But LA just have- doesn't. LA doesn't have the dudes to do that. Nor yeah. do they have a Lou Dort to play defense against James Harden. Yeah, and they're on Lou Dort. Definitely had his faults in round one. But there are also times, and not just when he was hitting shots, but playing defense-wise, he was the most valuable player out there for OKC when he could give Harden fits. At least, like, make him work for it. No one on LA is going to make Harden work for anything No, because right they're going to foul him yeah. before they even get a chance. Like, yeah. The thing about Lou Dort is that he really didn't foul all that much. No, he did a pretty good job of that, especially for his first playoffs as a rookie. He's only going to get better. So, um, not to get back on OKC, but that was something that we saw success against Houston. And he, L.A. doesn't have something like that to have success against Houston with. Last series here, Clippers-Nuggets. We'll, we'll be short on them. We Clippers in six. I'll give the Nuggets. They got one game already. I'll give Jamal Murray going just ballistic one more. I think that's it. Yeah, Clippers in six. I agree. I, I, Kawhi didn't, or PG didn't play particularly well in that game, too. Um I just think shocking. <laughs> Kawhi's not gonna have another poor game like that. No, he's. They're just gonna be the better team. Yeah, and I, I don't think Jokic is going for like twenty in the first quarter again either. Probably not. So I mean, not that he couldn't, because Jokic is that good. I just don't. He doesn't play with that mindset every time either. Like he needs to score that much. Jamal Murray doesn't play that way all the time. He plays like that in the second half, but that's Man, not good Jamal enough. Jamal Murray's had himself a playoffs though. He has. No, he's made that contract look worth it. Um, he's he's there with Donovan Mitchell in that discussion of like he's probably if he, we're talking about like top twenty to thirty five players. I had Mitchell closer to twenty. I think I'd have Murray closer to thirty thirty five. But they're in like that same ish range right now. It's just a matter of consistency. Like and we again the story of Jamal Murray. But again, he's been super impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's pretty much it. I um. Yeah, these playoffs are going to be interesting. They're gonna, they're, it's going to be uh, wild if the Bucks do come back and make at least a game seven. If they make game seven, they're winning it. Oh, <laughs> hot day! That's why I, I need Miami to close this thing out now. Honestly, if I'm Boston, though, I want to play Milwaukee. I'm what? just going to throw that out there too. I don't want to play Miami. <laughs> what's that? What's that saying? If you shoot for the king, you better not miss. Yeah, that's exactly. Didn't what's Miami happening? just miss? Uh, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm very worried. <laughs> well, that's all we got for you for episode 78. Thank you so much for listening 
to the Couch GM Podcast. Uh, again, I mentioned at the top of the show to find us on social media and to give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. We'd greatly appreciate that. We will see you back for episode 79 and have a great week. Yeah.